Rashawn Gary gets the bag. Green Bay Packers fans have gone crazy trying to trade veteran stalwarts on the team right now. And at least one prominent analyst, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, thinks the Green Bay Packers might have the worst ball skills on their offense in the NFL. We'll talk about all of that on today's show. You are Locked On Packers. Daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for The Leap a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 winning money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Rashawn Gary became the highest paid defensive player in Green Bay Packers history. We'll get to that in just a second. Let's start with what I can only describe as insanity. And some of this is, we have gotten so far into analysis, and in particular, I think, analytics, where we have lost sight of the culture and the people of a team. Let me explain what I mean. There are these discussions going on right now trying to trade some of the vital members of the Green Bay Packers with the idea that, okay, a player like Russell Douglas is not going to help the Packers win a Super Bowl by the time that they're able to compete, let's say 2025 earliest. He's going to be, what, 31 or thereabouts and therefore on the tail end of his prime and in this case has to be on an extension and all of those things. Same is true to a lesser extent from someone like Preston Smith. I, I don't see as many people trying to trade Preston Smith. Russell Douglas is the guy because he's playing well. He's still playing well. And so the idea goes, maximize that asset and move forward. I have this weird thing where I like to keep good players. I like to keep good players that are playing good. They they play football good. I like that. I like when, when players on my team, if I'm in charge of that team, I want them to play well. I want the guys who want to be there. I want the guys who give a crap about what's going on in the team. I want the guys who, after another tough loss, are out there talking to Jordan Love trying to pick him up, trying to say, hey man, we got you. We're going to keep working on this. This is what I want to see, all that stuff. The leadership. It is hard for me to understand 
in a season where it is so obvious that this team is bereft of leaders and how vital leadership can be. And after a season last year where it was obvious that you were not getting A-level leadership from the leaders on your team, in particularly the quarterback, that you would want to ship out other guys who are tone setters on this team. And you know, the, the idea is going to be, oh, well, winning creates winning culture more than culture creates winning. I think that's probably true. It's a lot easier for everyone to be happy when you're winning. There's no doubt about that. But Matt LaFleur came in when this team was losing and changed the culture before they started winning because it was changed by October. And yeah, they'd won some games, but it wasn't enough for everything to just be cool. That was a veteran team. That's Aaron Rodgers and Brian Bulaga and, and David Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark and, and guys who are Zadarius Smith, Preston. These are, these are bona fide veterans in the league. Guys who have been around, been on good teams. Certainly in the case of Preston Smith coming in from Baltimore, that's one of the best organizations in the sport. It's not like he hasn't been around winning. Now he was playing great football, but that culture, you can't tell me it didn't help lead to winning. If you ask the players in that locker room, they will tell you it led to winning. They lost in the NFC Championship game because the 49ers just had a much better team. I don't know how you can watch this team right now, get the details wrong over and over and over and not think, yeah, it'd be nice to have more guys who knew what they were doing. And it's not that guys don't care enough. I mean, Russell Douglas, coincidentally, had a great quote about Quay Walker who addressed the team and said, hey guys, I'm sorry, I didn't do my best. And Russell Douglas said, you know, if we had more guys like him, we'd be undefeated. That's picking your guy up. That stuff matters. Especially when you're trying to reset this thing with a a new young core. You need those guys. You will never convince me. Never in a million years convince me that what the Sixers did with the process was not only half right. When you go young and you try and tank and you try and get gain assets, asset allocation and asset acquisition, that is vital to any team building enterprise. What they didn't do on that team is have anyone on the roster who had ever at any level had success who also happened to be one of the best players on the team. It's not enough to have someone like Mercedes Lewis like it's nice to have a guy like that on your team, but they're not changing your your fortunes on the field. Someone like Rasul Douglas can. Someone like Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark and David Bakhtiari, those guys can actually affect what happens on the field in addition to what's happening in the locker room. And so to have guys like that, you need those kinds of players. Unless you're willing to just say, we'll wait. Like it took, let's use the Bucks as an example. In, in basketball, it took the Bucks, it took Giannis being in the league for what, seven years? 
before he got to a place where he was good enough and they had to fail and fail and fail in the postseason for them to finally break through and win a title. And even that still took going to get someone like Drew Holiday. They needed that toughness, that tenacity. In, in you know, friendly vernacular, we call, we call it having dogs. I personally prefer another terminology that I can't say on this show. <laughs> um, uh, uh, initials uh, MF, MFers. You need guys with that kind of attitude on a team that we know right now is S-A-W-F-T, soft. You just want to trade away a dog like Russell Douglas or a, a guy like Preston Smith, the only edge who is capable of playing disciplined on the edge in the run game, who just had a game-changing sack fumble on Sunday, who can still produce at a meaningful level, who's still a player who is a starting caliber player. That's who you want to get rid of? Like, on some level, I understand. Okay, Devondre Campbell, he becomes somewhat redundant because you have Quay Walker. You could play a big nickel with him. Maybe he's not a part of your long-term future, especially if you move to a new defensive coordinator. But clearly the Packers want to play in this nickel world where you have two linebackers where you can do that in that sort of 49ers oeuvre where you have Drake Greenlaw and Fred Warner on the field all the time. Understanding, you know, different fronts, different some different styles and all those things. I, I just, for this team... I understand the idea of saying, okay, get draft picks. If someone bowls you over, like Leonard Williams getting a second round pick from Seattle, that's that's an overpay. But the Giants just had one of the most dominating defensive line performances you have ever seen from Dexter Lawrence. They've invested in um, Ojolari, in um, Kayvon Thibodeau. They have all of these dudes. If you trade Russell Douglas... Given the way Jair Alexander has looked so far this season, and look, he was an All-Pro last year. I did not think that was, you know, like the most deserving of his All-Pro seasons. He deserved it in 2020. Uh, and Eric Stokes' un uncertain injury future. You trade Russell Douglas, all of a sudden, you're adding a legit need to this team. You trade a guy that you were, was not under contract last, next year and you did not want to pay. That's fine. Russell Douglas is under contract in 2024. And, and given the financial situation for this team. They can push his money into the future if they want to in an extension, no problem. No problem. In fact, the Packers, according to over the cap, are $30 million under the salary cap. Now that's only with 43 guys and that was before the Rashawn Gary extension. That's going to eat up a lot of that cap space. We're going to talk about the Rashawn Gary extension in a second. But they can, they can move around a lot of money and they only have in 2025 about $140 million on the books in a year where the cap is going to be approaching $300 million. Okay? So now they don't have that many guys under contract, but they've got the whole 2022 class, the whole 2021 class, the whole 2023 class. They'll all be under contract. So you really like this rookie class from 2022? They'll be under contract. You really like this 2023 rookie class? They'll be under contract. They will not need extensions yet for the most part. 
Now, you, yeah, I guess the 2021 class will need extensions, but guess what? How many of those guys really are you going to extend? Josh Myers probably not seeing a second contract. Anyone else after that you're like that stoked about keeping? Given where this 2020 and 2021 class is, it's not great. I would not be in a hurry to move on from guys who are the kinds of players that even when you're trying to build around a young core, you need to make sure you are prioritizing the right things every single day to hold people accountable. It's one thing for you and I, if we're on the same level, to hold each other accountable. But it's another thing for an older player, a more seasoned player. And in this case, in almost every instance, a better player, a tougher player. That stuff, man, you need that stuff. You need that stuff. The Green Bay Packers need that stuff. And one of the few other players on that team who brings it is Rashawn Gary. So it was not a wonder they gave him the bag. And we're going to talk about that in just a second here on Locked on Packers. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. Did the game go to timeout? Time to order DoorDash. Is it halftime? That's ordering time. Two minute warning. You got it. That's your cue to order in. Probably like Eight minutes left in the fourth quarter if you want to eat when the game's over. That's probably the sweet spot. Why root for your team on an empty stomach? Order on DoorDash and save on football watch parties. Order pizza, wings, soda, burgers, or just buns on DoorDash and get it all delivered without missing the game. Kick back and kick off with unbeatable deals on everything you need to watch the game. Score football's best deals on groceries, restaurants, retail, and more with DoorDash. And because you're a Locked On listener, you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. Download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23 to get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on that first order. So download the app and enter the code LOCKED23. Subject to change and terms do apply. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Football season is here, and Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On NFL Kickoff Live. Each Friday, Locked On will go live at 2 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On NFL YouTube channel. Host Tanitra Batiste, Jarvis Davis, and Kyle Krabs will break down every game on the NFL slate to get you ready for your team's matchups, your fantasy lineups, your betting angles, and more. Plus, get the in-depth Local analysis from our stable of NFL hosts across the country who know these teams better than anyone else. That's me. Find Locked On NFL Kickoff Live every Friday at 2 p.m. East on any Locked On NFL YouTube channel. That includes Locked On Packers. So Rashawn Gary gets an extension, a big money extension. The extension part is four years, 96 million dollars so we're talking about uh 24 million APY and I said before the season I said before the season that you will be able to spot the casuals when the Packers pay Rashawn Gary and pay Rashawn Gary big time top of the market or near top of market edge money and people go mm, shouldn't do that shouldn't do that no, you you should do that. You should do that. He is that good. He is that good. And he's in that, you know, Nick Bosa got what? 34 million. So he's getting less than that. He's 
not quite in tier two, but not quite in tier one. He's sort of in the middle there. And that's where Rashawn Gary is. Pressure is productivity. And when he was healthy back in 2021, he was in the mix with the most productive by pressure rate, by pass rush productivity, any metric you want to look at. Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, and Rashawn Gary were the most productive pass rushers in 2021. Pressures are production. Sacks for fantasy football and for casuals. They they matter. They, they, they impact the game. But when you look at what pressures can do, and by the way, the Packers believe this. This is not just me saying stuff. The difference in the way a quarterback performs when kept clean versus pressure. We're talking about 20, 30 passer rating points just to give you a baseline here. Like a good rating under pressure is still going to be under 100. Under 100 is is like league high. If you've got a 92 passer rating under pressure, that is a league high number. Aaron Rodgers, like a bad season for him is in the 90s. I know passer ratings and everything, but I'm just trying to give you an idea of the the comparison here. So I know the sack numbers, he's not... He, has never been like a 15, 18, 20, oh, 20 is crazy, but he's never been like, I'm going to lead the league in sacks kind of player. But he's always going to give you the hustle. And he is becoming, he is making himself into one of the best pass rushers in the league. When you look, when you track where he came from, the Don Brown defense at Michigan where he's playing the anchor end and he's asked to eat double teams all day and you go, why doesn't he have the sacks to back up the, the pass rush pedigree that he has, all the physical tools? Well, because he's being asked to take on double teams every play. And then, okay, now you're changing his position over to outside linebacker and he gets to watch Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith put it together. And he gets a little bit better. 2019 has, does some nice things. By the end of the season, you start to go, oh, there's something here. There's This is interesting. By 2020, he's getting to play a little bit more. Okay, okay. End of the year, you really start to see it. He was awesome in the Rams playoff game. You see it. 2021, he's outstanding. He was dominant. Dominant in that 49ers playoff game. He has been at his best. Unlike someone like Zadarius Smith, by the way, who admitted he was not ready to play for that 49ers NFC Championship game. Rashawn Gary, in the biggest games, has been at his best. Had another, in this one, an inside move against Brian O'Neill, just froze him and ends up making a tackle in the backfield. He is putting together a pass rush repertoire that is so much more than just line up wide and run through somebody. Now you're seeing him dip and bend the edge. You're seeing him work inside. He's a killer off twists and stunts because he's so athletic. He can move laterally and then fly downhill. And he always, he always meets the ball carrier with thunder in his shoulder pads. You feel tackles from Rashawn Gary and you need those kinds of physical presences on the field regularly. Now, he is not 
dominating the way that you see a TJ Watt put up sack fumble numbers. And as much as a, of a physical marvel as he is, he's not affecting the game the way someone like Miles Garrett does, Micah Parsons, those guys. He is more in that Max Crosby oeuvre where there are games where he can dominate like Max Crosby did a couple weeks ago against the Packers. But it's not week in and week out. You're just going, oh man, let's just throw on the tape and watch this guy beat up everybody. No, but he's always playing 100 miles an hour. He's always playing with physicality. Is he always where he needs to be on the backsides of runs? No. No, he isn't. And that's one of those like little things, the details that that you could really you know, work on. And he's still, a, he's still a young player. Like, let's not forget that. He's still a young player. But we're talking about a guy who, coming off ACL, at one point in, in the, the first six weeks of the season, had a pass rush win rate over 40%. Just wild numbers. And he's playing limited snaps, and, and I get it. But like, ridiculous numbers has been basically leading the league in pass rush win rate over our pro football focus all year. That's wild. That's wild. And so there have been, he he is going to make one or two key plays every single game and then also give you a ton of stout play in the run game. He's going to hold the point of attack. You're not going to see him get pushed off the line of scrimmage. That just doesn't flat out does not happen. There are times when he tries to overrun plays from the backside and you can be out the gate behind him. And, and that's just like one of those things where you're asking him to be aggressive and crash down and chase plays. That's going to happen. Maybe they're not asking him to do that. He's just doing that because he wants to play so hard. I'd much rather have a player who has those sorts of mental mistakes. These, these, you know, there. It's not a penalty, but it's it is a penalty, a demerit of aggression. If I had a, again to to paraphrase Russell Douglas, if I had eleven guys who played as hard and who gave a crap as much as Rashawn Gary did, day in and day out in practice, all those things. This defense would be a lot better. This defense would be a lot better. This contract is immediately team-friendly. And he is going to be a part of this core for a long time to come. Him and Jair Alexander and Kenny Clark, basically. They have someone interior, outside. You add Quay Walker to the mix for now. I mean, we'll see. And you've got Jair. You hope Eric Stoke can become a part of that. You see the bones, Lucas Van Ness, who you're adding into that. We're really starting to see Devontae Wyatt had one of his better games. TJ Slayton had easily his best game as a pro. You're you're sort of seeing the personnel vision here, Joe Barry. Oh, yeah, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. Plenty, we have plenty of stuff to talk about schematically this week. Offense, defense, special teams. Believe me, we will do that. Um, especially in a game where you might get Brett Rippon. Hmm. A lot to talk about coming up this week. Uh, and we will do that, but... First, Mike Renner has some thoughts about the skill position players for the Green Bay Packers. And we are going to talk about his takes in just a second here on Locked on Packers. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Score early this season with NFL on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The Packers were one-point underdogs, one-and-a-half-point underdogs, I believe, when this game opened on Sunday. The Rams were one-point favorites midweek last week. Then they got beat up by the Cowboys. 
The Packers got beat up by the Vikings. And now it looks like Matthew Stafford probably not going to play with uh, a ligament issue in his thumb on his throwing hand. They have the bye week next week. It just doesn't make sense to play him in this game, which means you're either going to get Brett Rippon or they signed um, John Wolford, who used to be their backup quarterback off the Bucks practice squad. The line has moved four and a half points. The Packers are now three-point favorites because of this backup quarterback situation. New customers at FanDuel can get $150 back in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So it takes the Packers on the money line, and if you win, you win a $5 bet, and you get $150 in bonus bets. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow on the show, Zao you doing in full effect expert Tuesday, excuse me, crossover Thursday, and then an interview coming hopefully on Friday. All right, Mike Renner, who we had on the show a couple weeks ago to help promote Renner Ranks, his new show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And one of his storylines coming out of this week is that the Packers' offense has the worst ball skills in the league. It's hard to argue. You have an inaccurate quarterback throwing to the receiving core with the worst ball skills in the NFL right now. That is, I don't even think a debate or a hot take or even close. (laughs) The statistics are mind-boggling when you look at them. In terms of pure drop rate, they are at 8.2%. Second highest in the NFL. Jets are the only team that's been worse this season. So 8.2% drop rate, bad. But it's their work in contested situations. According to PFF, and when I looked this up and saw how drastic it was, I could not believe it. They are 9 of 43 in contested situations this year. 9 of 43. 20.9%. One out of five they're securing in contested situations this year. The next worst team, so that's the fewest contested catches of any team in the NFL, one. The team that's the next worst on this list is the Kansas City Chiefs at 30.3%. Damn near 10 percentage points worse than anyone else in the NFL right now. If they were just league average, which is in that like 41, 42%, Jordan Love's completion percentage would go from a shade under 58%, which is what it is now, 57.7, to 62.4%. That's just if they were league average in contested catch situations. And I reached out to Eric Eager, who used to be a big part of the data collection and analytics over at Pro Football Focus. And I said, hey, man, you know, because Renner brought up a lot of the catch rates in college for these players was bad. Christian Watson, um, Luke Musgrave in particular were pretty bad, 16% drop rate for Luke Musgrave, over 12% drop rate for Christian Watson. Just not the best. It's pretty it's pretty muddy whether or not that is actually a thing that matters. Whether or not that is not whether or not that is a thing that actually translates. So just something to keep in mind here as we're moving forward. There have been issues that doesn't mean there will continue to be issues with drops. That's just it's not something we have good data that says okay, because you dropped a lot of passes in college means you will drop a lot of passes in the pros. It doesn't It doesn't necessarily work like that. But so far, not great, Bob. All right, back tomorrow. 
with our pal Lily Zhao for Zhao You Doing. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, we will be live this Sunday as we were last Sunday on our Locked on Packers YouTube page after the game to break it all down so you can stay Locked on Packers.